Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, if you didn't, you missed it, and we're going to post it so you don't miss it. Uh, our colleague at KSL, Carol Makita, uh, did an extraordinary bit of coverage on the Greek Orthodox community in Utah and some renovation and some amazing art happening on the dome of the Prophet Elias Church in Holiday. And when we often think of iconography, uh, we usually associate these symbol images uh, with early Christians of Eastern Europe. Uh, but for the Greek Orthodox Church, this type of art is still an important part of their religion today. And I'm super thrilled to have joining us on the program one of our favorite, Father Patrick O'Rourke. He's the assistant priest at the Greek Orthodox Church of Greater Salt Lake, uh, who happens, by the way, just to be working on his second master's degree in all things sacred art, uh, which I love that. Father Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Boyd. I'm glad to talk to you again. Uh, so let's let's dive into this. The images that we saw from Carol Makita uh, going on. Tell us just a little bit about the dome in the Prophet Elias uh, Greek Orthodox Church and what has been happening, the transformation that's going on there. Certainly. So in Orthodox Christian architecture, there are two normative features. Um, one is a dome over the center of the building, and the other is an apse or a half dome over the altar area. When Prophet Elias Church was built, those areas were initially decorated with mosaic icons. In the dome, 99% of the time is an image of Christ enthroned in heaven, and in the apse is an image of his mother holding the Christ child on her lap, among other things. Um, Over the course of the last 50 years, both of those mosaics deteriorated. The mosaics in the dome actually fell out twice. Mm. And in, I want to say it was about 2002, the decision was made by the parish to go ahead and remove the remainder of what was in the dome to prevent it falling any further and causing any damage to property or, God forbid, people. So that dome has been completely empty for 20 years. Um, And an Orthodox Church is not complete unless it has, at minimum, that dome and the apse decorated with those images. So when I was assigned to this parish in uh, the fall of 2020, um, the senior priest here, Father George Nikas, asked me if uh, I would take this project on. Um, he had started to do some work, and I gladly accepted, given my background and my interests. And that brings us to where we are today, where 
we have now reinstalled iconography in that dome, a beautiful image of Christ enthroned. And then we went above and beyond what used to be there, and we also included images of prophets and angels and Christ's mother in that dome as well. Uh, it, it is so spectacular. And, and that, just share with us just real quickly the this this art of creating Christian icons. This I mean, this takes back to the Byzantine and Orthodox tradition. Uh, give us just a little sense of that, and then who is it that becomes qualified and skilled to actually be able to do that kind of Michelangelo style, uh, way above the ground, uh, looking upward at the dome? Certainly. You're right in saying that Christian art dates back to the third century. Um, the oldest iconography that we have is from about that time, but there's nothing to indicate that it began then. Uh, rather, we are relatively certain that it was from the beginning. In fact, Orthodox tradition is that the evangelist Luke was the first to paint images of Christ and his mother. Um, and so that that was very, you know, central to the early Christian faith. And um, it's actually, you know, it's part of the incarnation, the, the fact that God took on material you know, he took on a human body, and so it is necessary for us to depict him using that sanctified material of his creation. And the the actual scheme, of course, develops in time, and the style becomes what we call Byzantine iconography. Um, although, you know, within that style, there's hundreds of subsections and, and smaller schools and things. Um, Leonisi Bulubasis is our iconographer. He um, he was born actually in America. He was born in Baltimore. His parents were immigrants from Greece. And when he was five years old, they repatriated themselves back to Greece. And then in 2016, when the, uh, when the economy of Greece was really in trouble, Leonisi, who had studied fine art and classical painting as well as iconography and had a, a pretty impressive um, portfolio of churches under his belt, he decided to move to America with his family using that American passport and get back to a place where, you know, the floor wasn't necessarily going to fall out. Um, and he's been back in Baltimore since 2016. He's painted one full church in America, um, just outside of Baltimore in a town called Hunt Valley. And he's done some work in, in other churches, and that includes ours. So then to the second part of your question, you know, who gets to do this? Um, because this is a dogmatic requirement for us, it is, um, I don't want to say it's, it's tightly controlled. Of course, anybody that has an interest and an inkling can pick up pen and paper and start to draw. Um, but it does take uh, years and years of close tutelage from a master to an apprentice. Mm -hmm. And then the, that apprentice, once he's, uh, he or she, there are very many uh, female iconographers in the world. Um, the, once, they, once they get to a, pl a place of, of mastery themselves, then they actually receive a blessing from their bishop to uh, to complete this task in the churches because it's not um, just a, a personal 
artistic presentation, but it, it's it's the transferal of you know a two millennia long tradition, yeah. and so there are there are rules that need to be followed. And um, once once somebody has the mastery within the tradition, then they can be creative. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite things about the way that Dionisi paints. He uh, he paints generally in what is called the Macedonian school, Mm -hmm. Um, Macedonia being northern Greece, but it gets its name from a certain era of the late Byzantine Empire around the 10th or 11th century. Um, And these, the Macedonian style of iconography has round faces, rosy colors. It's a, it's a sweet and um, beautiful and inviting style. And so we love that that's now in our dome in, in right here in Salt Lake city or in the holiday. I love that. And I love that combination that, that there is not just someone who is good with a brush, uh, but someone who understands the doctrinal, the deep roots uh, that connect all of that. And uh, father Patrick, we appreciate so much you joining us. We're especially grateful to our colleague, Carol Makita from KSL TV. We'll post her, uh, TV report uh, on our web pages today. Uh, and Father, real quickly, just uh, 30 seconds. I understand that this Sunday will be the first opportunity for the members of the Greek Orthodox Church to come in and witness uh, this new dome. That's right. We've had the building closed for close to two months now for uh, demolition of the remainder of the mosaic that was in the apse and the installation of the iconography in the dome. So this Sunday, February 6th, the church will reopen for the first time with the new iconography. Those services start at nine in the morning. Um, and so our churches are open to the public. If anybody would like to come and see, they're welcome to. Fantastic. Uh, Father Patrick O'Rourke, assistant priest at the Greek Orthodox Church of Greater Salt Lake. Uh, appreciate your work, your extraordinary insight. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I have some real holy envy and I hope to see everybody there at nine on Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Boyd. We'll step aside for a quick bottom of the hour break. When we come back, uh, much more to talk about. Is judo is judo the message in terms of what President Putin is trying to do? Find out what that's all about coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.